Good morning, everybody. So this morning we will be going over the fifth section of the 32 body parts. And let's just actually start with just (laughs) sitting and settling for a few minutes. So as we're going through, further through the list, please remember that we are not listing all the facts about these different parts, but just give you just a little glimpse and sometimes just some facts, some of them curious facts. And the goal of that is twofold. So one is to appreciate the function of these body parts and the fact that they are part of your body. Appreciation. And maybe befriending. And on the other hand, so the second um, part or second factor is to see how impersonal the body is. This is a liver. This is a muscle. This is an arm. So we become more balanced in the way we relate to our bodies at the same time as we become more embodied. Because the present moment 
happens here. The body is always in the present moment. And the more we can feel the body and its wholeness, the easier it actually is to be present because the mind has something to land on. So let's start by reciting the fifth list. So those are the first list of liquids. So we've covered the solid parts and we're moving on to the liquids. So five times. Bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat. 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 And five times silently to yourself. So we start with bile. So bile, the color is like a straw color from the liver and then more yellow, brown or greenish in the gallbladder. It's a thick fluid, a little like car oil. Direction above and below the waist. Location, it's produced in the liver and stored in the gallbladder and then excreted into the intestines. Delimination, bordered by digestive and elimination organs. And it's produced in the liver. The bile is a bitter, digestive, alkaline juice with an emulsifying action that facilitates digestion of fats in the intestines. It's responsible for the color of stool. The human liver can produce close to one liter of bile per day. It's just about one quart. In medieval and Greek medicine, as the idea of excessive bile produced by an aggressive temperament and depression or other mental illnesses which they called melancholia, were ascribed to a bodily surplus of black bile. By mel, the word for black, and cholia is the um, bile. 
which is the origin of the word melancholy. Bile. So the next one is phlegm. The color, healthy phlegm is normally clear or white. Yellow phlegm is usually a sign of an infection. Greenish phlegm is pretty much always a sign of infection. Rusty phlegm or phlegm with rusty spots can be a sign of pneumonia and or internal microbleedings. Shape, 
It's a, often a thick fluid, direction above the waist, location in the lungs, the throat, and the mouth, the delimination, lungs, throat, mouth. And a definition, it's a thick, viscous substance secreted by the mucous membranes of the respiratory passages. So function, phlegm is produced by the respiratory system and particularly expelled by coughing, sputum. It keeps the surface moist. Its composition varies depending on climatic, genetic, and state of the immune system. But basically, it is a water-based gel consisting in glycoproteins, immunoglobulins, lipids, etc., In medieval medicine, just like bile, it's seen as one of the four bodily humors. And it stands for, can stand for calm, stoic, but also apathic temperament. Phlegm.
So the next one is pus. And pus for me is a curious one because it's the only so-called body part on this list that is actually not normal. So it's not a normal, healthy part of the body. Pus is always a sign of um, bacterial activity. So color, pus can be yellow or red pus. If there are rupture of small blood vessels, it can be bluish green depending on the bacteria that are at work. The shape, pus is a liquid, but pus that has been walled off by a membrane of any kind is called an abscess. Direction, above and below the waist, location, anywhere in the body. Delimination, bordered by whatever is next to it in the body. (laughs) So the definition, it is a protein-rich liquid consisting of dead white blood cells and bacteria with tissue debris and serum. Function is a liquid byproduct of inflammation. Pus.
The next one is blood. So if you want to experience that a little bit more, two things you could do. So one is you could um, feel your pulse, maybe at your wrist. So if you're taking the two fingers and put them where your thumb is, like under the bone here, you can feel the pulse either here or at the jugular here. And just feel how the heart is pumping the blood. So that's one. Another one that you can do is you can also um, squeeze one of your fingers and just squeeze basically the blood out and then see how it um, comes back. So the capillaries in your fingers. So the color is from dark to bright red, shape, thin liquid, direction above and below the waist, location in the heart, the arteries, the veins, and the capillaries, delamination throughout the body. The definition, fluid that circulates throughout the heart, arteries, veins, and capillaries, carrying nourishment, electrolytes, hormones, vitamins, antibodies, temperature, warmth, and oxygen to the tissues, and taking away waste, matter, and carbon dioxide. There's also menstrual blood, which is not really blood, but uh, consists of some blood, mucus, an endometrial lining, so sloughed of tissue and vascular cells. Blood consists of 22% solids and about 80% liquid. Red blood cells are formed at the rate of 2 million per second. Within a tiny droplet of blood, There are 5 million red blood cells, 300,000 platelets, and 10,000 white cells, white blood cells. Human body contains from 8 to 10 pints of blood. And every inch of human skin consists of 20 feet of blood vessels laid out. The function in passing through the lungs, blood gives up carbon dioxide and absorbs oxygen. After leaving the heart, it is carried to the tissues as arterial blood and then returned to the heart in the venous system. Blood moves through the circuit of the vascular system in about 60 seconds. The plasma transport nutrients, waste products, hormones, carbon dioxide, and other substances substances, and contributes to fluid electrolyte balance and thermal regulation. Human blood travels 60,000 miles per day through the body, which breaks down to 2,500 miles an hour. 
blood. Blood actually is another one of the medieval and Greek um, body humors. And it stands for a very passionate, easily um, activated or easily enraged character, like a sanguine character it's called. And also it is, or it was believed here in this country that one drop of black blood makes you a black person. Blood. The next one is sweat. Sweat. You might be experiencing some right now. (laughs) Color. It's a colorless, slightly milky, salty fluid. Shape like water. Direction above and below the waist. 
location on the outer skin, pretty anywhere on the body. Delimination bordered by the skin and space. Definition, it's a salty and watery secretion from sweat glands in the skin pores. The function, sweat cools the body by evaporation and rids it of what waste may be expressed through the pores of the skin. A daily amount is a liter, about a liter, although it can change according to physical activity and atmospheric conditions. In hot conditions, it may be as much as two and a half to four and a half gallons in a day. There are two kinds of sweat glands. So one are the ones that are all over the body for cooling. And then there's another kind of sweat glands, the apocrine sweat glands. They're mostly in the armpit and groin and perianal area. And so when sweat doesn't smell, so what makes it smell is actually break down through skin bacteria. And the apocrine sweat glands are... um, act as pheromones, so to attract a partner, (laughs) as territorial marks and a warning signal. So sweat glands are also sensitive to adrenaline, which is what we notice with emotional reaction. Sweat. And the sweat glands in your palms and your feet are actually to um, increase traction in case you have to run fast. That comes from a time where probably we're still running with our hands on the ground.
And then the last one is fat. The color yellow. Shape like globs of fat. Direction above and below the waist. Location anywhere in the body. Delimination bordered by skin, flesh, and sinews. Definition, stored substance contained within fat cells throughout the body. And function, the most important function of fat is a form of stored or potential energy. Also serves to insulate us from external temperature, especially the cold. You can, if you want to feel some fat, like the belly is usually a good area. So under the skin. Bile, phlegm, pus, blood, 
sweat, fat. We have time for a few questions, and then an, and then Mary Grace will make an announcement. Yes. Uh, I have a question about the, the meta. Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to wish well to everyone. Um, what about like a serial killer? Mm-hmm. So the question the question was so if we're when we're practicing meta. So what about a serial killer? We're practicing metta for a serial killer. Um, It's a good and important question that comes up a lot, right? So like there are people where really feel they don't deserve metta. And um, so I'll start with an answer and then if any one of my colleagues here want to chime in. So... The way that I see this, so we're working with, um, as one of the categories, also with challenging people, right? So challenging people in our lives. And as we do this, what we see more clearly is that um, people who do harmful or hurtful things are usually also suffering. And, um, right, and so you you see that this can be a a slippery slope, right? But when we're starting with that, when we're starting with a challenging person, like somebody said something that was hurtful or did something that was hurtful, most of the time they did that in a mental or emotional state of pain, of pain, of like what we call like the three poisons of pain, so out of aversion, out of greed or out of delusion. So they're stuck somewhere. They don't see clearly and they don't come from a loving heart. So in a way, like when we see this, and often we can see these impulses in ourselves, right? And what's really important, this is not about condoning anything, right? And it's not about that we don't do everything to prevent whatever happened from ever happening again. Those are really two different things. But the metta practice is really for ourselves that we are um, calming our heart, right? Because often it's like the, the, the anger and the resentment that we are feeling that is, keeps on hurting ourselves. So the practice, because we can't, 
well, there are different views about like, like what I do doesn't necessarily directly influence the person, right? So I do this for myself. And then the idea really is to open the heart as much as I can over time. But it's really, that's a lifelong practice. And the answer, do I ever have to be able to really practice metaphor, serial killer or sociopath? I'm not sure. Yeah. Do you want to add to that? I think I'd modify just a little bit what Christian just said that I think it's actually really important to work with practicing metta for very difficult people whether it's the political figure you love to hate we have a few of those these days, some of us or a serial killer um, what helps me a lot when I do that is to try to imagine what it must be like to live in that mind And when I imagine that, I just feel so much compassion. I can't even... It's sort of like all the bile and the phlegm and the pus and the... (laughs) All together. But it is for me that I do it. Whether it impacts them or not, I don't know. Um... And and it, you know, it it is absolutely probably the kindest thing to stop them. Because... It's not good for them to be doing what they're doing. So that's a little... Thank you. Yeah, Bob. (laughs) You can see that's a question that we're all (laughs) pondering and working with. (laughs) So, um, I know Mary Grace in um, Christiane taught a retreat with Norman Fisher last year here, and um, Norman, who's a Zen master, um wrote a Buddhist-inspired translation of the Psalms. And I very much like this, because a lot of, in the old biblical language, there's a lot of descriptors of people that are unrighteous, bad, wicked, evil. And he changed all those words. They were heedless. They were unaware. And somehow that context of is out of unawareness, which in Buddhist psychology is the foundation where all suffering comes from. And so for me, it's like, may all beings discover the gateways into the heart, and may they grow with awareness. One that at least, my tissue say, one that at least knows that they're killing will one day stop, where if you don't know, it will go on and on and on. Thank you. Maybe the last thing to say is there's a wonderful story in the Buddhist suttas about a serial killer whose name was Angulimala. (laughs) And then he finally encountered the Buddha after he had killed 999 people. The Buddha was going to be the last one. His goal was a thousand. Um, And actually, meeting the Buddha completely turned him around. He became fully enlightened and went on to become a monk. So, you know, you never know who's going to wake up. And to add to that story, (laughs) Angulimala got killed by an angry mob. 
And so, and then, so kind of the moral of that story is you can't escape your karma. So even if you uh, gain enlightenment and turn your life around, your karma will still catch up with you. Anybody wants to add to that? (laughs) Thank you. Other question? Yeah, in the back, please. I have a question about uh, practicing here with the body parts. I've been trying over the past days to uh, recite them to myself all the time, uh, sort of like uh, doing mindfulness training with these. And my question is, I've been adding them on to each other. And I would you rec- and it's getting a bit much. I don't mm-hmm. know, I'm getting confused on what comes next. And mm. Would you recommend just doing one like this morning, doing bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, and then this afternoon, and backwards, forwards, upside down, or what is the best way right here to practice the these? Um, I have an idea about that, but maybe, Bob, you want to start with that? You're the um, expert. <laughs> expert, hardly, but practitioner, yes. <laughs> and but thank you. Um, it's probably best to keep it simple and work with a group of, of five parts at a time. The uh, way we teach it um, in a longer version is that for one week, we work with five parts, head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin, for one week in that forward rotation. The next week, it's skin, teeth, nails, body, hair, head, hair. Then the third week, it's head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin, skin, teeth, nails, body, hair, head, hair. So we're going in a methodical order, forward, backwards, forward, and backwards. And um, there's another teaching that I'll maybe explain a little bit more. There's a practice that's called, this kind of a funny term, it's from the Vasudhi Maga, the Path of Purification, it's called successive leaving. And what this means is that as you work with this practice, at various times you may get much more interested in one part and less in other parts. And so you can begin to leave out parts that are less compelling in moving in to those that are. And so there's some freedom uh, to really go into things. Yeah, and um, just briefly, um, I just wanted to add something. Um, maybe that was very obvious about my talk last night, but I, um, I'm, I'm a very explicit teacher, so I like not so implicit. Um, so remember when Marcy was um, piling on, we were piling on all the pain to, or all the suffering to her pain. And it, it just, I felt it, but I didn't say it. But at some point, we couldn't see Marcy anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that is actually a really beautiful visual of like when we are piling on all the suffering, who we truly are gets lost, we can't see it anymore, and it goes both ways, right? So Marcy, behind the stack of cushions, couldn't see anymore. She couldn't see clearly. She saw only her pain, right? And we, as seeing her from the outside, also perceived just the pain. And I thought that was, that. at least that was something that really landed in a visceral way in my body. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And maybe it already did that um, with you too. Um, yeah, so thank you. We'll, in a moment, we'll move on to our 
practice groups again. Uh, oh, Qigong, sorry. I'm, see, I'm on autopilot. Like, we used to, right, move <laughs> on at this point. So you have Qigong and then you have the practice meetings. And um, Mary Grace has an announcement. So in the instructions for how you deal with sleepiness, some of you have been dealing with that, there's an instruction that says you should sit in the forest with the tigers, where there are tigers, and that will bring a certain amount of alertness. (laughs) So what we need to talk about a little is that we've had a mountain lion sighting yesterday, uh, very close to the main area of campus. So it was in that area up behind Upeka, where you drop down and then you go up. Um, he or she wasn't too close to the person who saw them, as I understand it, but it did make a noise. Um, and so we want you to know that we have those beings. It's always been true here. And it's actually a great privilege to get to see one. It's very unusual. Um, and they aren't really very interested in people. Uh, they eat mostly deer. Um, and we have a little handout that we'll post over up on the board. Um, but um, as long as it's not being aggressive, it's probably not any worry. And this particular handout says, statistically speaking, a person is 1,000 times more likely to be struck by lightning than attacked by a mountain lion. That said, (laughs) if you are confronted by one, you should make yourself as large as possible, raise your hands in the air, get big, take a big deep breath, scream, because making a lot of noise is really good, yelling and shouting, and if you've got a walking stick, banging it. Um, Act like a predator, act like you're gonna go eat the mountain lion, because that kind of ferocity also will surprise them. Don't run. That's the big thing. If you run, if you turn your back and run, you're not a predator. You're some, you know, we've all had cats, right? We know you, you drag the little thing in front of the cat and what does it do? It goes after it, right? So don't do that. Slowly create distance. And so the one time I had some encounter with a mountain lion, what I did was I kind of looked over my shoulder and I spotted the next tree that I could back up against and I walked backward to that tree, slowly, and then found the next one and the next one. Um, and then if, if, in the very remote chance that you're, you're attacked, um, to fight back and to protect your neck and your throat, um, and people, it says here, people have utilized rocks, jackets, garden tools, which you're not likely to have, tree branches, walking sticks, fanny packs, and even bare hands. So um, we don't really want to scare you. You know, you're, you're into the well, into the retreat right now, and probably feeling a little vulnerable. And if that all feels like too much, then maybe don't walk back in the forest for a while, stay right in around here, right in around the um, meditation hall, perhaps up and down the road. The event from last night is over, so um, that's perfectly okay for walking. It's very unlikely 
that you will even see this creature, but since uh, he has decided that maybe he wants to learn about the body parts and hang out with us, um, we um, should be at least aware of its presence. Is that clear? Yeah? Please, in the back. In the morning. No. Not particularly. That's a good point, though, that mountain lions are mostly creatures of the twilight and the early morning, very early morning, sometimes in the night, um, not so much in broad daylight. Yeah. All right. Ah, please. I'm not going to lie, that kind of scares the crap out of me. <laughs> Pardon? that you might want to do that. And the chances are really good that you're just fine. But that's, you know, for those of us who've lived in mountain lion country for years, and that's true of many people in California, you know, there's a, you kind of, you drive on the freeway, right? You're much more likely to die on the freeway. (laughs) Much. So be careful. You can be a bit noisy if you want. Um, Let yourself... You know, be alert. That's the thing. Yeah. But if you're really scared, don't go there. Simple. All right. Enjoy your practice. Enjoy Qigong. And have a good day. <laughs>